0: Well, hi, everyone. It's Daniel Williams, senior editor at MGMA and host of the MGMA Podcast Network. I'm so happy to welcome Dr. Pam Agrabish and Scott Selby. They are both with locumtenants.com. They have been involved with a research paper, Innovation Imperative for Physician Retention. Um, I know all of y'all listening. <laughs> Uh, You're at practices, you're looking at ways to retain those physicians. So we're going to take a deep dive into this. So I want to tell you just a little bit more uh, about our two guests today. Pam is the Vice President of Clinical Operations at locumtenants.com. Scott is a Senior Vice President, Enterprise Solutions at locumtenants.com. Pam, Scott, welcome to the show.
1: Thanks so much for having us.
2: Yes, thank you very much. Excited to be here.
0: All right. Well, Scott, we are going to start with you then. So uh, I think without l- looking at the notes here in the research, uh, just knowing what's going on at practices, I can imagine where some of the brainstorming came from initially. But let's just hear it from you. What made it motivated you to undertake this research on motivating clinicians s- to stay at their current practice? Absolutely.
2: I, you know, I think the obvious answer is this is just something that plagues every healthcare organization out there, right? So, um, you know, a few different observations we've seen over the last couple of years, I think led us to really wanting to to, to go into research this further. So, you know, we wanted to dig deep into the retention challenges that, that healthcare organizations face um, because it's one of the most, it's one of the top stressors, right? I mean, yeah. especially in today's environment and uh, everything going on it's it's something that it plagues everyone like i said and we wanted to dig in and and really try to you know at least be a small part of 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 what what the solution is and and, ha- and how we get there so one of the things that i that i saw you know that kind of shocked me was you know in that recent mgma stat poll um i think it, i think it was seventy seven percent of medical groups reported they have no formal strategy whatsoever on retaining physicians and, and the retaining their staff so um so i I know that everyone listening probably you know knows this is really important but just it's kind of like how how do i get there what are are the next steps do i that i take and and um you know where where do we where do we go from here um the physician shortage is is something that plagues every you know part of our country as well and, and every healthcare organization so retaining the clinicians you have on staff today is something that's relatively easy but uh extremely impactful um in an initiative that every organization's got to be more proactive about right and so turnover impacts the bottom line it impacts patient care employee morale team morale uh, and the overall culture within your, your organization right so mm-hmm. um you know in speaking with healthcare leaders myself it's, it's been clear that you know in order to address turnover they've got to do a better job of digging in and really communicating with their physicians and, and their clinicians in general, um, and find out wh- why the ones that leave, why, why, why did they leave? Um, and how do we do a better job of, um, taking the necessary steps to communicate proactively with, with clinicians, uh, as well as measuring and, and preventing turnover, um, all throughout their physician workforces. So, you know, overall, like I said, it's, 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 a, it's, something that impacts every health organization and their bottom line so we feel like this is something really important to try to help folks take the take the next steps on on uh, improving this you know clinician retention
0: yeah for sure thanks for pro- providing that overview so pam um let's look at some of the key findings from the research scott was laying out what went behind you know, working on this research in the first place. So what were some of those key findings that you found?
1: Absolutely. So I think that uh, one of the biggest things was healthcare organizations are measuring performance, but not a lot of them are making it their business to measure employee engagement and individual development. And I think that that's probably one of the biggest key factors. So when you look at your permanent staff and, and being a clinician myself and, you know, having worked inside of a lot of hospitals across the country, um, you know, what what does it take for someone to want to stay, uh, you know, to keep your, your perm staff motivated and, and wanting to be a part of that team? Uh, I, I think that the other piece of this is that uh, locums especially I got out of school about 25 years ago. And when you when I first got out of school, I would say that locums was not um, looked at, it didn't have the greatest perception, right? And now that narrative has truly shifted. Uh, locums is now uh, necessary. Uh, I think that you the pool of providers that are coming out that are a part of locums organizations are excellent. Uh, they are trained at the finest institutions. People are looking for a new way to work in medicine. I think COVID was a huge shift in that as well, right? I, no one, I think, ever had work life balance uh, in medicine. And, and when you went into it, you didn't expect it, right? 80 hour work weeks. And, um, you know, it was just mandatory when you first came out and went through residency. So I, I think that now, when we're really looking at how people are moving forward, it is. We know that we have to supplement our staff. We don't have enough, there is a provider shortage, both uh, n- both nurse practitioners, physician assistants and physicians all of those pieces. How are we going to do that? So is it that we now have doctors that are clamoring to say, listen, during COVID, I was able to work via telehealth. I finally got work-life balance. I was able to work from home a little bit. There was a respite. I could, you know, my patients actually are happier. So we're seeing a lot of different pieces being brought together, right? Perm staff putting their hands up going, I've worked with a lot of locums, especially over the last three years because of staffing and what's happening. And I'm pleased And I, you know, I think that that perception is changing too. They're seeing them as part of the team. Uh, I think that folks that are working locums work are happier. Uh, They have more control over their schedules and what they're doing. And so a lot of this is looking at how do we offer additional relief, support existing staff. Um, You know, uh, only 2% of respondents say that uh, they saw um, locums as a factor for influencing physician retention. Uh, But I think that in all honesty, um, I think that if you were to look at locums as a solution uh, to keeping permanent staff uh, able to get vacations and moving through the process, I I think that that would really, really be excellent. Um, The other piece of this is higher compensation uh, bonuses and benefits for physicians are viewed as the top factor for retaining them. Um, And that was, I think, 71% of our respondents said that that was really, really crucial. So even though physicians are looking for higher compensation and benefits, they're also seeking out flexibility. So I think that if you can't give both, if you say, well, I'll pay you, but you can't take your vacation this year, or I'll pay you, but by the way, you have to work every other call weekend. Those of us that have been in the industry a really long time, they're throwing their hands up and they're saying, you know what, I've been doing this 25 years, 30 years, except I'm done. I'm going to go ahead and retire early that we can't have. We've right. got to keep our workforce going. And so I think that if we can, you know, appropriately utilize staffing modules uh, appropriately, then we really can preserve the medical model.
0: You brought up one thing, Pam, that really resonated with me. And you were talking about some lessons we learned from the pandemic. And it there really was, I think it was a, a mindset shift, uh, in the healthcare world and really across all industries that people went, I'm resetting how I think about work moving forward. And I, you, you mentioned work-life balance several times. I just was at a holiday party last night and this gentleman was telling me he spent 10 years in DC and he was leaving um, his home at five thirty in the morning, uh, you know, taking a train into the city. And he was, returning home at seven 30 and he had kids and one of his sons was said to him, dad, I never see you. I mean, you know, it's just that kind of thing that just hits you so hard and you're going like, what's going on here. So um, anything else you wanted to share about that kind of mindset? I, absolutely. I,
1: well, you know, I'm a, I'm a huge proponent of telehealth. I've actually been practicing that way for 17 years. Mm-hmm. I was very fortunate to be one of the the uh, beginning founders of a program that we, we launched many, many moons ago. And I think that a lot of my colleagues uh, across multiple specialty lines have recognized what a key piece this is to keeping medicine moving forward. It's not just us as providers, right? Everybody is looking for, gosh, it would be great if I could work from home one day a week or two days a week, not have to get on the train, right? The fact that I know that I can log on at nine and even though I got ready at home, I I I saved all that commuting. But the other big piece of it is also what our patients are asking for. And now that they got exposed to having the ability to have telehealth. I think that that's the other piece is they're putting their hands up and they're going, what do you mean you're not offering this anymore? What do you mean that my physician or my nurse practitioner can't see me through the screen? I don't understand why do I have to start coming back to the office? Or if I'm coming to the office, why can't I see my specialty provider through this method, um, even though they're in California and, and I you know, I want to connect? Uh, I think that there, the pandemic opened so many really interesting avenues for how we can move medicine forward and be better. Yeah. Uh, and and so yeah, I th- I think for for me the the with the silver lining to to COVID because there were so many terrible things, but the silver lining to COVID was the expansion of uh, telemedicine legislation uh, and where we're moving forward for that.
0: Yeah, thanks for that. So, uh, Scott, I want to direct the next question to you. Uh, Pam had brought up some of that feedback from patients uh, that we're hearing. So for this study, um, let's talk about those patient satisfaction scores engagement, how that's measured, what are the KPIs that our listeners should be looking at then to see if they're on the right track, if there are adjustments they need to be making?
2: Yeah, so there are, there are a number of different ways, and, you know, not every organization is the same, but I think one of the key factors, you know, one of the easiest ways, I think, is performance evaluations, and that's, you know, probably today how many organizations are are gathering um gathering and evaluating intel on workforce engagement um but you know within those meetings within those evaluations we need to be looking at more than just how well our clinicians are executing on their duties are you hitting your goals are you are you doing what you agreed upon those kinds of things but also talking to them about their career goals their aspirations advancement uh what what motivates them and 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 you know are we as your employer meeting that right and so um, yeah, another way that another easy way to measure that, measure satisfaction, measure engagement is just regular satisfaction surveys. And uh one of the things that we found that um was was surprising that was large healthcare organizations, uh, you know, having a hundred or more associates typically or employees, uh they do a pretty good job of this. It's about I think it was 71% um of of those respondents in large organizations, they are, they are regularly surveying their, their associates and their clinicians and, um, and getting this intel, but smaller organizations, only only 37% were, were sending out regular satisfaction surveys. So that's one simple and easy way. And there's a lot of resources out there um, now to help you get started with that if you don't have um, something in place today. Um, but that, so that's, that's one simple way. And, and plus once those surveys are implemented, it's really important to look closely at those responses. Um, look for trends. Look for look for changes you can make within the organization, and then also uh, monitoring over time. You know, once you have the regular surveys in place, how are these scores changing? How are we making an impact on uh, on the responses and those types of things? Um, one, one another thing that we found that was really surprising to me personally was, uh, I, I believe it was just under ten percent of the respondents had absolutely zero formal measures of workforce engagement whatsoever so they, they didn't even they weren't even it wasn't on the radar at all um, so I think you yeah, know that just tells me right there that there's there's a there's a lot of room for improvement in the industry um, another thing that we learned is that monitoring physicians progress against their career goals really tells them and makes them feel that their self-actualization matters uh, not just their work output like I said earlier right so, Goal setting. What are they working for in terms of training and certifications? Um, helping them with individual development plans, uh, promotion. What you know, what promotions and advancements are they looking for? Um, all of these things help make careers way more meaningful, especially when you're doing it together with your with your employer, right? So, um, the other thing that I think is is can move the needle a great deal is mentorship. Um, we didn't. We were surprised to see that mentorship in medical workforces is generally less than half of the organizations uh, out there are putting any sort of coaching or formal mentoring process in place. Um, that's something that, you know, providing a coaching or mentorship program to clinicians uh, that that everybody wins in that in that uh, in, in that setup, right? So um, the men, the mentee um can be can be more productive, um, they can gain a lot of valuable intel. They they wouldn't just from normal experience. Um for the mentors, they're they're could potentially help them um become future leaders and and uh, and help build other skill sets and, and those types of things that can help in many areas of the organization. Um but overall I mean the the mentorship and coaching programs really have a have a big impact on retention.
0: Okay. I wanted to ask you a question back to the survey. What have you found are the best delivery methods? Is this through an email blast? Is it some program or platform like a Survey Monkey? Is it through Teams? Is it text? What? How do you get good responses there from people? Uh, to because surveys, you know, some I know that when we do them internally here, we. Keep pinging people at the organization, yep. like, "Hey, come on, two more days." <laughs> do you incentivize yeah, people? What What do you do to get that to work? Exactly. And that's a t-
2: that that's that is a tough one because we all feel surveyed to death these days. I think it's uh, like yeah. you, can't, you know, Christmas shopping right now, you can't even buy something online <laughs> without getting three surveys from that uh, organization, you know, wanting yeah. to know how they did. Right, so. I think that you know there's, there are a number of tools out there right now that in uh, organizations that, that will help you kind of wrap your arms around this and and know what types of questions to ask and right. and those kinds of things. But you know they are generally email you know emailed out to the organization. But the key factor is communication, like like we said in all of this, right? It's it's making sure that all the associates know throughout the organization that this is coming, this is a survey we're taking, and this is what we're going to do with the information. And we're going to use this to help make your lives easier, make your life better, um, improve the culture, uh, you know, all the all the things that you know I think are are important to employees. We're going to take all that. We're going to take all that information, and we're going to sit down. And we're going to figure out how to how to implement it within the organization.
0: That's awesome. All right. Well, Pam, next question is for you. Right, let's just get down to the bottom line here. What are the main challenges? that healthcare organizations face in retaining those physicians. What is it?
1: Absolutely. And I think if um, if I hear this word one more time, I'm probably gonna scream, but it's the truth. It's burnout
0: right yeah. um everybody yeah.
1: knows that word yeah. if you, if you haven't you're living under a rock and so uh, but i think that in all honesty uh, it's not the burnout that we think it is so yes people were tired and yes they felt overworked but in all honesty a lot of them uh, when we looked at the survey data i think it was 31 percent actually said that it was more that they felt undervalued or underappreciated in the job that they were performing um you know they were used to the long hours they were used to the excessive workload Um, and they, they certainly were striving for better work-life balance, you know, and, and I think also climbing out from the mountain of paperwork that EHRs unfortunately have created for a lot of us as providers. Uh, but essentially it was, you know, no one said, thanks. Uh, nobody said you're doing a great job or, or, you know, we're so glad that you're a part of the team. And I know that that sounds silly, but, you know, even doctors need to hear that, um, And I think compensation is still, you know, again, as we talked about before, it's not a surprise, right? We need to make sure that we're paying people properly. But I think the other piece that people came back with was saying, we really would like to have some flexibility to our schedule. So, you know, how can we do that? I think that we need to look more closely at how we're formulating healthcare teams. What does it look like to have a physician and a nurse practitioner and a PA and a nurse and an MA all working together to service, you know, a pod of patients, whether that be in an inpatient setting or an outpatient setting? Uh, but again, becoming more creative about how we're utilizing our medical workforce. Um, and, and we know that APPs, so uh, which includes nurse practitioners and physician assistants, uh, certified nurse midwives, uh, as well as our um, CRNA colleagues who are providing anesthesia, uh, they are all a critical portion of what we are building and coming for in the future. Uh, and that they will be, I think, as as institutions look at how they're going to staff, if they're not considering those folks, um, how they're going to plug them in and how they can bolster physician teams, um, then I think that they'd be missing a piece of this. Um, you know, I think the other piece of it is also it's a competitive market. So if you want to stay on the leading edge of benefits and compensation and work-life balance, you know, what is it that you're going to do to provide your physicians um, with long-term solutions, right? Long-term options that say, yeah, I'm going to stay. Uh, I'm not going to leave. Um, you know, I, I think that in the um in the survey, most clinicians that said that they were tapping out was because, again, they just they had hit their limit. But it wasn't just because they were overworked. It was truly because they just, no longer felt that same love and passion that they had for medicine. And that's something that we definitely want to prevent. We want to keep those good folks, uh, you know, seeing patients. Uh, They went to school for a really long time and we'd uh, we'd like to see them, you know, still being able to perform their duties, but do it, you know, in a way that makes them happy.
0: Mm -hmm. So uh, before I ask the next question, I want to remind our listeners what the title of this uh, research paper is. It's the Innovation imperative for physician retention. I wanted to repeat that because the next question really does deal with innovation and how that can play a factor here. So for this one, uh, Pam, I do want to stay with you. Sure. Um, could you please share some insights from the research on that role of innovation in motivating clinicians to stay within their current organizations?
1: Absolutely. I think a lot of times, um, as a matter of fact, I, I often go and um, visit our clients um, and I'll sit down with them and they'll say, you know, we're, we're struggling in this area or this area. We just don't know what to do. Uh, we start sort of flipping through staffing models and what's happening and actually start listening to what those physician providers, APP providers have to say. And most of it is um, they just need new options, right? We need to look outside of the box for how we are going about. It's no longer just a, let me staff a 12-hour shift. Let me make sure it's covered. It's the fact that everybody is so much more complicated, right? The ICU, to round now often takes so much longer than it used to. How can we be more efficient? How do we streamline? Um, You know, where do we use underutilized opportunities to keep the workforces engaged uh, and provide guidance and establish open-minded listening channels with our provider teams so that we're really engaging with them on their feedback? I think that's a big piece of it. So giving the physicians and your APPs a voice uh, is crucial. Uh, I think the other piece is that, you know, by listening and starting a dialogue, we want to empower folks uh, to impact the patient experience, right? If we have engaged providers across the board, then I think that they also take on a bigger sense of ownership and leadership inside of organizations, which we want. So, you know, when we talk about innovation, it's not just business and, and, let's be very fair, right? Medicine has become a business. Um, Hospitals have to keep their doors open. They have to get compensated. They have to be paid in order for all of us to do the the great work that we do. Um, But there has to be that balance. So making sure that your providers have a voice at the table when you are making those key decisions, right? If you're going to turn on a telehealth program, if you're going to launch an APP program, if you're going to maybe reduce certain staff in certain areas, make sure that you're including them in those discussions. Because the people that will be impacted, if you have their buy-in, if you have their support before you start, I promise you, you'll be successful. If you go sort of top down and we're not involving the folks that are actually doing the work, that's when we tend to see the most pushback. Um, And so I think that, that the word of the future, in my opinion, is collaboration right, Uh, across medical teams, which is making sure that our doctors and our APPs, again, that's referring to our nurse practitioners and our physician assistants, collaborative environments. Uh, We know that those teams work well together. Uh, We know that really, really excellent care is produced by both sets of providers. You know, how do we make sure that we are utilizing everybody uh, to make, so that they are producing at the top of what they can do, right? Hopefully we can get APPs to work at the top of their license and we can have doctors who, you know, appreciate and, and want that to happen. The other side of this is also even our nursing staff, right? Making sure that we have enough support uh, for them and, and for them to then support the clinicians uh, because we know that uh, the world truly does revolve around nurses. And if we don't have them, uh, that that's a big piece of the puzzle that we would be missing. So I think when we talk about innovation, collaborative solutions, that is the way that we move forward. Uh, putting everybody sort of together uh, into one pod and saying, okay, everybody put their hands up. We've got to solve these problems. You know, I think we used to do it more in a siloed environment and now it's, how do we use all of the tricks we have right up our sleeve? How do we use every uh, tool on our tool belt to make sure that we're providing excellent care with great outcomes?
0: All right. Thanks for that. So we've got a couple more questions to address before we sign off today. Scott, I want to turn it back to you and the next question really deals with those demographic differences. Did did the research uncover anything uh, in the factors that motivate younger physicians versus more experienced physicians to stay within those organizations? What'd you find out there?
2: Yes, yeah, so one hundred percent. We we I'm I'm always fascinated personally by you know generations and how they're motivated differently and and, and all those things and. And some of the surveys and things that we looked at this year did, didn't disappoint in that area. So we have a survey, a clinician survey coming out in January that you'll see published that um, really points to a lot of generational um, differences. So one thing that we noticed, baby boomer, the baby boomer generation is less likely to report burnout, actually, um, more likely to say they're highly engaged, they're making progress toward their career goals, those types of things. Uh, but millennials are more likely to cite high stress, lack of work-life balance uh, as, as part of their contributors to burnout. Uh, and they are much more likely than baby boomers to feel undervalued and underappreciated um, in, their, in their daily lives and in their, in their work. And so um, the Gen Xers, uh, they are much more likely to be motivated by higher compensation, uh, bonuses, better benefits, those kinds of things. Um, the Gen Xers also seem to have retirement in mind and are more likely than than the boomers to be motivated by a lucrative retirement plan. Um, and then the, the, the baby boomers that are kind of encroaching on that retirement age or semi-retirement, they are the ones that are really talking more and motivated more by uh, the ability to work part-time. I want those flexible hours, those kinds of things. Um, so those are some really interesting um, tidbits that we found through generations. The other thing that we we focus a lot on here at locumtenants.com is speaking to residents. And so um, we, we've we've gleaned a lot of of interesting um, intel from them this year. One thing that I will say, I think Pam kind of alluded to this earlier, you know, uh, 10, 20 years ago, I mean, residents and, and early, you know, new, new physicians into the market were not looking at locums. That just was not... Um, that was not of interest to them. That just wasn't really really a thing. And that locum's lifestyle is really becoming more, more and more appealing for this generation that's coming out of of medical school and residency now. Um, they can pick and choose their assignments. They can um, see different parts of the country. They can see different uh, you know clinical environments as well. So I think that's becoming more and more attractive to them. But one thing that has certainly become evident from talking to physicians this year excuse me, residents this year, is that young physicians are looking to practice medicine in an employee-centric culture, uh, which is very different than you know, a lot of other generations. They appreciate practicing medicine, but they want to do it in a way that does not cost them their lives, right? So they prefer a place that focuses on professional needs uh, over just the company driving revenue and you know overall output. Um, a lot of these residents are seeing the older generations and their, their counterparts that are um, more more seasoned that sacrifice their home life, they sacrifice maybe their marriage, uh, and a lot of other things in their personal lives for the sake of for the sake of business. And so, one thing that's very clear with these these residents coming out a lot a lot of them are not looking to do anything like that. They really want that employee centric, and they all, they want that work employee centric life and also the work-life balance that physicians have not historically had.
0: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) All right, for a final question then, I know we've covered a lot of ground today, so let's really drill down to what maybe a key takeaway or takeaways would be then. Um, Pam, I wanna start with you. What would you like our listeners to take away from here that can better motivate and retain those clinicians uh, in their healthcare practice?
1: Um, I think probably one of the biggest things would be in order to win on retention is, you know, don't be a part of the medical group who doesn't listen, um, who's not looking towards the future and not planning, you know, extrapolating out, if you will. I have this many physicians, I have this many nurse practitioners, they're this age, and they will eventually either move forward or get, you know, you you have to live in the present and you have to plan for the future. And so I I think that that is a a big piece of this is, you know, how do we continue to measure workforce engagement? Are you looking at creating KPIs around monitoring the health of your workforce, right? Um, and, And really making that a a, a planning item, if you will, in your meetings every month, um, not just a, a reactionary status to, you know what, Pam just told me that she's leaving at the end of the month, or um, I've got, you know, uh, this doctor who definitely is going to be going on maternity leave. And, you know, what are we going to do there? And then how do we how do we supplement? Um, I, I think that it, we want to we want to encourage people to stop being reactionary um, and, and start really, really planning for what staffing looks like and making, um, I think locums are part of your solution as a partner. Uh, I, I think that, you know, as Scott really very wisely said in his last comment, the medical workforce is changing. Their expectations of how they work are changing. And if systems don't catch up with that, there's going to be a big disconnect. And so we want to help them plan. Okay.
0: Scott, final takeaway from you. Yeah, I mean, I think one one
2: simple way that that I think organizations can make a big impact on retention is forming a retention committee. Um, There's a lot of promising statistics out there around what this can do for your organization. So um, taking a small subset of of your clinicians and as well as the person that's driving physician recruitment within your organization and forming a retention committee just just the just the concept of having that within your organization is going to have a big impact on on the clinicians throughout right and then you know this will this will also allow a voice from the from the clinicians to as to what what they want what's not working what 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 what's missing right those types of things and so that can really help develop new programs and you know changes within the organization and it's coming from you know, the, the clinicians, it's not coming from the executives that are, you know, handing it down from the top, right? So I think that's one thing that will immediately make an impact. Uh, and then just, you know, growing that over time and, and really, uh, I think fostering that kind of environment can, you know, can can have a big impact as well. Um, so hopefully there's some little tidbits today that, um,
0: you know, folks can take back and, and implement, but we'll see. Yeah. All right. Well, Scott, Pam, thanks for joining us today.
1: Absolutely. Thanks so much for having us. It was a great topic to discuss.
0: Absolutely. Thank you so much, Daniel. All right. Well, that is going to do it for this episode of the MGMA Business Solutions Podcast. Thanks again to Scott Selby. He's a Senior Vice President of Enterprise Solutions at locumtenants.com. And Dr. Pamela Ogravish, She's Vice President of Clinical Operations at locumtenants.com. As a reminder, the research paper they've been discussing is titled The Innovation Imperative for Physician Retention. We will be uh, leaving direct links to that in the episode show notes. So until our next episode, thanks again for being a listener to the MGMA Podcast Network. Most physicians don't have the opportunity to learn the business of medicine. What docs don't get taught, physician business training, is a course developed by MGMA and administrators from Johns Hopkins University School of Medicine. This interactive course provides in-depth physician business training that can drive personal and organizational success. Purchase now for yourself or your organization at physicianbusinesstraining.com and earn eight hours of CME credit. Again, go to physicianbusinesstraining.com to purchase and to learn more.